This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. And welcome into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 11025 FM, KQAM. Hey, it's a Saturday morning. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning, trying to get you up and moving for the day. It's what we do right here on the program each and every weekend. So welcome in, broadcasting live right here in KQAM in Wichita, Kansas. We have the 1480 on the AM side, 102.5 on the FM side, plus the live streaming. Uh, we do have Facebook Live back up and rolling. They allowed us to actually do that starting again this week. So that's nice. Thanks, Facebook. <laughs> we appreciate that. And thanks for you hanging out. we got a big show lined up for you today. A lot of things going on here in the state of Kansas. While everybody's been paying attention to the shenanigans and the circus show up in Washington, D.C. with the impeachment trial, we have a lot of things happening in our own state legislature, our own county, our own city, right here in the heartland of America. So let's get the ball rolling. All brought to you by... Uh, Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue for all your buying, selling, and trading with gold and silver, all with honesty and integrity. It's Phil's Coins at 9344 West Central Avenue. They're opening up in about a half hour from now until 2.30 this afternoon. You can also find them online at philscoins.com. So always love having them partner up with us here on Candace Talk and the Big Talker KQAM. Before we do anything else, I have to admit that it's a little cold outside. My temperature here says two degrees in western Wichita, so uh, that's nice, I guess. To do, I don't remember the last time it's been this cold here in this area. I mean, it's not terrible because, honestly, we get to kill off all the bugs, so that's a good thing. And this is, I am wearing a hoodie today, which is like the most I've actually worn this entire week because I'm trying to do more of the cold exposure things for uh, health reasons because it's supposed to be really good for you. So I'm trying it, but once it gets down to like almost zero or below, then it kind of takes it to a whole different level. So there's that going for you as well. So, hey, happy Saturday morning to you. We got a lot to get to today. We have a lot of uh, legislative issues from Topeka that we'll talk about. We have State Representative Blake Carpenter coming on at the bottom of the hour. We also have a tax bill presented by the Republicans and a different tax bill presented by Governor Kelly and some Democrats in the Senate. So we'll talk about the difference between the two different bills with Dave Trobert from the Kansas Policy Institute coming up at 1030 to wrap up the program today. We may get a call from Senate President Ty Masterson today as well depending on what his schedule looks like. So we'll hopefully be able to get him on the program. We've been working a couple of weeks trying to get him on. And if uh, he has a few minutes, then we'll uh, hopefully be able to have him jump on and chat a little bit today. So all that going on. But right now, we're going to bring it back down to the local front here, which, by the way, you can always call it 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. But on the line with us right now from the Sedgwick County Commission, we have Sedgwick County Commissioner Mr. Jim Howell back on. It's been a while since we've chatted with him. Jim, how are you, my friend? Uh, you know, Andy, I'm doing great, and it has been, I think, even before Christmas since we talked last time, and yeah, been a lot of things since then, and uh, I'm glad to be with you this morning, and it's certainly very, very cold, but I'm... Uh... <laughs> Thrilled to be on the radio with you talking about important stuff this morning. Uh, there's a lot of important things to talk about, especially from the county level, because things are ever-changing with the COVID pandemic, now with the cold weather, and with uh, just trying to kick off a new year. It's been kind of an interesting start to 2021. So let's start off with some of the cold weather. And, I mean, I know, have you guys been following a lot of what the Department of Transportation or what the county uh, snowplows have been doing? Are we doing all right? Are we running out of salt? Or where are we at when it comes to the potential blizzard that could be coming in in the next day? or two actually i think we're in pretty good shape uh you know this cold weather right now hasn't had any precipitation with it so uh you might have noticed that you go outside you don't have to scrape out your windows right now maybe a few days ago you did but right now it's been 
uh, very, very dry. Um, that, that actually is probably better for driving conditions, but we know there's a lot of snow that's predicted to come in tomorrow. And, and I think that uh, Public Works for Sedgwick County, I can't speak for the state or for the city, but our Public Works is, is very prepared. They are ready to go. And uh, when that snow comes, they'll be out there 24 uh, 7 until it's taken care of. That will be nice. I mean, I, I, from what I've seen, I mean, when we first got that snow earlier this week, I mean, it was cleared off relatively nice. I drive, you know, a, a little bit of a distance every day, so it was the roads were clear, they were good to go, and uh, I was pretty impressed. So hopefully we can stay on top of it. Because I've heard, I don't know if that's still the case, but we're supposed to get a decent amount of weather in the next day or two, aren't we? Yeah, I've heard uh, somewhere around seven inches of snow is being predicted. It could be a little bit more or less. And, and also understand that predicting snow is one of the hardest things for the weather weather folks to predict. And yeah. so... I know they do their best, but you know, if we do get seven inches, that would be that would be substantial, and it'll be would really uh, be a, a, great, a big problem for this community. Um, that's that's a, that's a fair amount of snow, and with it being so cold already, if you go off the road, it is going to be you know it, it could be deathly. So this is a, this is a very serious situation here, and we have got to stay ahead of it. And as the snow comes in, I also understand it's supposed to be very breezy. So again, it might be drifting. And you might hit areas where it's even much deeper than seven inches. Wow. And so, the, yeah, I'm very, very concerned about that. And I think that uh, anybody who's in government is, is certainly thinking about this. The good news is we are, we are prepared. You know, we've got all the right people. We've got the right equipment. We've got the right materials. And we're ready. If that happens, we'll do the very best we can. But I would obviously encourage people not to get out if they don't have to. Um, the good news is with this pandemic, a lot of people have figured out how to work from home. And a lot of people maybe don't have to get out. So, um you know, it's a different world we live in today, but we're ready, uh, whatever comes. Whatever comes, that's right. I would love, by the way, a position where I could be wrong a lot of the time and still be able to keep my job because uh, uh, it doesn't work too well on the radio, but uh, you know, being a weather reporter, I tell you, you could uh, predict all you want, and if it doesn't happen, well, uh, hey, just the, the weather changed. So that is kind of nice. Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about COVID. I know more of the vaccine has been coming into the county. You guys have been doing the uh, the clinic over at the Interest Bank Arena, plus the drive through clinic as well. How are things going? Is it running smoothly? Are we getting enough of the vaccine right now, or are we still just kind of waiting on more of the doses to come into the area? That is the, probably the most, that's the hottest question you could possibly ask me, Andy. Thank you for that. Um, the, the, you know, every single day I'm getting more email about vaccines than anything else. And it's just, uh, it seems like there's not really a good answer to this problem. Uh, and really, it's not, not just the problem is here in, in Sedgwick County. It's statewide and it's even nationwide. There's just not enough vaccine. Um, people want it and they're anxious to get it. And a lot of people are, are, are afraid to get out. They recognize this is uh, maybe the keys to maybe a more normal life. And they really want to get that vaccine. A lot of people do. Some people don't, but most people do. And uh, to, your, to your question, are we getting enough? Absolutely not. We're clamoring to the state. We're asking them every time we have a chance. We need more vaccine. And the state's position is, we get our, we get, we, according to them, we get our fair share. And I know that we're about 18% of the state's population. I expect to get 18% or more <laughs> of the state's vaccine. Uh, I don't know that we're there yet. I, we need to validate that. But uh, I can tell you this. We, we don't really have enough. We've got a right in our possession. I think altogether we received or um, I probably can't say exactly, but I'll tell you this. We, we probably have uh, inoculated about 30,000 people in Sedgwick County by the health department. But that doesn't count what's happening at the hospitals or the, the, uh, low, the low-cost clinics. There are other places in the community that are actually providing the vaccine. And unfortunately, we don't have access to their data. Mm. And so when, we, when people say, well, we're 49th in the nation, uh, that, that may be true. I, don't, you know, I know Governor Kelly will take exception to that and say that's not true. The, the issue is reporting. And 
from my perspective, the reporting is part of the problem because we don't have access to what's going on at the long-term care facilities from CVS and, and uh, Walgreens Pharmacy. We don't have access to that data. And I don't know if KDH even has the access to that data because that, that vaccine was provided directly to them by the federal government. It didn't go through the state of Kansas. And so they're not, there's no responsibility for them necessarily to report that back to KDHC. So we're, you know, one of the problems right now, right now we have is there's not a, from my perspective, a, there's not a comprehensive go-to person or, or go-to process to find out exactly what's happening in Kansas. It's, there's a lot of convoluted various ways of vaccines getting out. And so I can speak for the health department. We have around, there's just about 30,000 vaccines have been given so far. And if it's all you looked at, yeah, it looks pretty dismal. But it may be twice that much. We just don't know. And uh, that, that is very frustrating. I can just tell you this, that this, I don't think the federal government is, is punishing Kansas. And I don't think that Kansas is punishing Sedgwick County. The reality is we're getting, by all by every estimation, I think we're getting our fair share in various ways. And that's the challenge. We don't know. We can't, we can't say for sure how the vaccine is getting out to people. But we're doing our part. As we get it, we get it out as quickly as we possibly can. And uh, you mentioned uh, the Interest Bank Arena, and we have the uh, the transit station down, down I think, on Waterman Street. Um, if you want to get into one of those two, if you're 70 years old or above, and by the way, we ratchet this down every few days, it seems like. Now we're down to 70 years old and above. Um, you can just simply make a phone call to the county. Uh, I think it's uh, 660-1029, I believe is the number, but it's on our, it's on our Facebook page. It's on, I'm sorry, it's on our uh, website. And they can also do it online. It's actually easier to make the appointment online if they're willing to do that. And they can go in there, provide a small amount of information, and get a, get an appointment to get in that to get in that to line. It's really quite easy. I get actually some positive email. People say it's really simple. You go down there, you make the appointment, you go down there, and it, it will, one hour later you're done, and it's it's quite easy. So, um, you know, it's it's easy to criticize. I also want to look for you know positive things, and I think the reality is this is a challenge. We've never done this before. We're doing the best we can. Could we do better? Probably so. But uh, you know, if you want to look at this as a glass is half full, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot good. There's a lot of good going on. We're getting the vaccine in. We're getting it out, and people can get those appointments. They can get down there in about an hour's worth of time. They can have a vaccine. So, um, you know, it's it's a. Uh, there's a lot to be critical of, and there's a lot to uh, wish we could do better. The biggest problem right now we have is we have a five, you know half a million half a million people live in Central County, and we've only received from the county's perspective. Uh, just a you know, just as uh, you know, drop in the bucket of what we actually need. Right. So we're clamoring for more, and as it comes in, we're getting it out. But that's the biggest problem. We we just don't have enough. Sure. Yeah. We we definitely need more of the vaccine to come into the area. But what you have gotten in, from what you've saying, it sounds like it's running at least pretty smoothly. I know that the health department, Adrian Burns, asked for many more volunteers to come in, maybe help administer some of the vaccine. Uh, are you guys getting more uh, volunteers? Are you getting more people to come out and help? And are the lines moving pretty smoothly when uh, when people actually sign up and show up to get the vaccine? Well, I, I think we're we're doing what we what we feel like we need to do. We're we're planning to do around two thousand vaccines a day through Central County, and and we're trying to we're we're getting close to those numbers. It's not exactly there every day, but uh, we don't want to waste any vaccine. Uh, one of the biggest challenges that we have is we don't have enough staff that can do what needs to be done. It's not just directing traffic; it's actually medical staff that could actually administer the vaccine. So if anybody is interested in partnering with Sedgwick County in terms of uh, coming into our umbrella and actually working for the county to do this, there are places, uh, they, there's, there's, there's a call to action. Uh, people who have that skill set that can, that can demonstrate that or, or show that they have that, uh, that credential, we'd put them to work. And, 
uh, one of the biggest problems we have right now is trying to find enough people to do these types of work, these types of things. And so could we do more? Probably so. Um, we have the space. I think the biggest problem is not having enough people. Um, but, but again, if I told you we were able to go through everything we have in our possession in less than a week, then I would tell you maybe it's not, you know, could we, could we do that in one or two days? Maybe that would be better, but I don't think a week is all that bad. Um, I, I wish it was faster, but um, the reality is we just don't get in, we just don't get enough vaccine in. If I if we could if I could quadruple how much vaccine we were getting, we would we would find a way to quadruple, quadruple the effort to get it into the arms of people. Yeah. So I think the biggest problem is lack of vaccine. Um, could we do better with a few more people? Yes, I think we could. So if anybody wants to get involved in that, please go to our SedgwickCounty.org website and uh, uh, please look. There's 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 positions listed there of what we're looking for. There's all kinds of positions, and I think there's plenty of opportunities for people to help out. If people want to get involved in that way, I would I would certainly encourage their their participation, uh, helping us get this this mammoth tax. Uh, this this job is massive. Yeah, and we would we would appreciate their help. Thank you. It's definitely a big one. Yeah, let's go ahead and take a break here. Nineteen minutes past the hour. When we come back, I want to talk about kind of where we're at with the vaccination for the community. As you mentioned, we're we're down to seventy year olds and older. I want to talk about some of the uh, health responders. I want to talk about some of the nursing homes and long term care facilities and where we're at with all that. So we'll get to all those numbers in a minute here as well. Central County Commissioner Jim Howell talking about some of the vaccine distribution in the community. Where are we at, and how quickly are we punching this bad boy out? In South Central Kansas, we'll get to all that and more right here on Kansas Talk for the Big Talker KQAM. Twenty-three minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM for a Saturday morning, getting you up and moving for the day. That's what we do. Thanks for hanging out with us, radio and the live streaming on Facebook Live. You can also go to our website at kqamradio.com. You can also go to the TuneIn app and stream us live there all the time as well for like any of our programming, any of our special programming, which, by the way, we do have the Daytona 500 tomorrow. The kickoff, it may be two degrees out here in Kansas, but yes, NASCAR season is officially kicking off this weekend and tomorrow right here on KQAM. We will be broadcasting the Daytona. Now, we're not carrying the entire NASCAR season, but we will be carrying the Daytona 500 tomorrow. The pregame for that starts at 1230 right here. Brought to you by AutoTech and Kennedy Tire and Auto Care Center. We appreciate those sponsors here on KQAM to allow us to present you the Daytona 500. I'm excited. Might make you think it's a little bit warmer. I mean, they're going to be on Daytona Beach, so that would at least make you feel a little bit warmer. That's nice. Cedric County... Commissioner Jim Howell hanging out with us right now for a few more minutes as we talk about the COVID-19 vaccine coming to the South Central area here in the state of Kansas. Where are we when it comes to the uh, long-term care facilities, the healthcare responders, um, the healthcare officials in the area? I know that was the priority for phase one of distribution. Are we about wrapped up there? Are, Are most of them already getting their second dose of the vaccine? I know you guys lowered the age limit from like uh, 80 to 70 now or 85 to 70 or whatever it was. So we're we're moving progressively a little bit, little by little with whatever we get in here. But for the ones that first got it, have they already gotten their second round of the vaccine? Yeah, so, boy, that's a great question. So we uh, we know that the hospitals got, direct, uh, got their shipments of vaccine directly, and they were responsible for providing that to their to their medical provider staff. And I understand that they've received uh, first and second doses. There may be a few people out there that haven't got their second dose or whatever. Maybe it may be by choice, but 
the reality is they, they have access to vaccine and they've done a, a tremendous job getting that into the people that need it for, uh, for those providers. And that includes everybody that's in the, in the medical world that provides medical support to that. So, so, so for example, our EMS personnel for Sedgwick County, they were included in that as well. Um, but our firefighters and our law enforcement officers and our teachers were not. Um, and you talk about long-term care facilities, they received their vaccine directly from the federal government through CVS Walgreens pharmacies. And we, again, we don't have a, a good awareness of exactly what they're doing, but we believe they have access to vaccine for first and second doses for residents and staff under phase one of the, uh, of the plan. Uh, so we're now we moved into phase two, and that's what you're talking about. We're starting talking about the general population. We started out with age 90, moving down to age 83, then we went down to age 80 and 75, and now as of yesterday, we're down to age 70. And I expect this will go down to age 65 here, probably probably in the next few weeks, if not sooner. We don't know exactly. It all depends on what the line length is, and the strategy there by Dr. Mins and the health professionals is that the number of people who uh, who succumb to this virus through ventilators and through death, um, they're generally the older part of our population. And so they're trying to focus on them as the most vulnerable of our community that, you know, is in terms of our residents that need access to the vaccine. So that's their strategy. Some other counties have not done it this way. And that has caused a little bit of uh, uh, controversy because, for example, Reno County, they just went right, right, right straight to age 65 and above. Yeah. And so I would argue that. We probably have people in our community that are 75 and above. Uh, the rate of, uh, of inoculation is much higher in Sedgwick County for that age range, and, and obviously much lower, if not almost zero, for age 65 and above, unless they got it through phase one of the uh, of the of the policy. Whereas in, in Reno County, they probably have a lot more people that are you know 65 to 70 years old, and less people in their population that are 75 and above. So we we made a choice here. It's not like it's right or it's wrong. It's just a strategy. But we do have to answer that question quite a lot. Why are we doing it this way here? But the reality is we're, we're doing the best we can to get it into the arms of people who are the most vulnerable. Yeah. And that's our strategy here in Central County. Well, it's definitely a more targeted approach. I mean, everybody can kind of, each county can kind of do their own thing. But obviously us being such a large county uh, for the state of Kansas that, uh, I mean, going for a more targeted approach may seem to go a little bit slower because we don't get as much of a wide range of an age group. But at the same time, you can kind of target them, make sure they're taken care of and then move on. So, I, I mean, agree or disagree with it. I think it's kind of a smooth process, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, as we move through phase two, we estimate phase two here in Sedgwick County is about 125,000 people. Um, part of that, as we move down to age 65, the next group we're probably going to be focused on will be teachers, law enforcement officers, and, and first responders, uh, you know, people who work in public safety, uh, different places, um, grocery store workers will probably be part of that. And also people who have comorbidities and very fragile health that are less than age 65 will probably want to try to get, a, try to, get it to them as well. So, again, phase two is a very broad group. Um, and, again, we're just partway through this. And so as we move towards the other end of this, uh, phase two, uh, we'll have to do a lot more to figure out exactly, you know, which group to target and when. And I'm sure every time we do that, there's going to be a little bit of controversy about whether that's the right strategy. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, well, there's always is controversy no matter what. No matter what you yeah. guys do, there's always some kind of people that are angry with it. we got about 30 seconds before we have to let you go. But as we move into some of the other phases, do you think that the school teachers will get the vaccine in order for them to start opening up the classrooms as the Kansas Board of Education wants all the classrooms to be start going back to in-person learning? But the teachers not wanting to do that until we actually get the vaccine into the teachers. Do you think that's going to happen soon? 
Well, I certainly hope so. I know that we are doing our very, very best to make that a priority as well. And I think that they're probably, you know, as high in that phase two as we can get them. Um, we want to get them that that uh, that opportunity as quickly as possible. But I can't put a date on it, but I would say yes. The answer is we're pushing for it. Yes, sir. Very good. Cedric County Commissioner Jim Howell, always a pleasure, my friend. Good to talk to you again. It's been a little bit. We'll get you back on the show here for another full hour in studio. Thank you, sir. Hey, always a pleasure right there. Jim Howell, Cedric County Commissioner. When we come back after the break, we'll have State Representative Blake Carpenter. He'll be joining us, talking to us about some Second Amendment legislation going on in Topeka and some other things going on in the Republican-controlled legislature here in Kansas. All that coming up on Kansas Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. Back to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Darn right. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker. 1480 AM, 1025 FM KQAM for a Saturday morning. Trying to get you up and moving, although it's kind of hard. I'm kind of like sluggish this morning. Trying to wake up. What you do, go outside and stand out there for a few minutes. Ha-ha! Then you'll feel really great. I actually did that during the break for a minute. Had to go out and just refresh, take a deep breath. Do my little meditation of, ooh, in day number five, impeachment of President Donald Trump. <laughs> Great to have you along for the ride today on a Saturday, all presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. They are officially open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. You can go online to philscoins.com as well for all your buying, selling, and trading of your silver and gold with honesty and integrity. Thanks again to Jim Howell, Cedric County Commissioner, coming on the program. We haven't had him on in a while to talk about some of the county stuff and now that we have vaccine distribution galore in the area now is the time to kind of chat about that but let's shift gears a little bit let's go back to Topeka there's a lot of bills these guys are like running around like crazy trying to get as much done as possible in case they need to shut down again because of COVID uh, I don't know just wear three masks wear three masks then you'll be totally fine you won't have to worry about the virus you can get the vaccine and then wear the three masks <laughs> on the line with a state representative from the Derby area, if you listen from there. Uh, great guy, and I know you love him down in that region, but uh, State Representative Blake Carpenter with us here. Blake, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Hey, Andy. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. It's been way too long. You have been extremely busy. I want to talk about uh, some of the general things that uh, the legislature is doing, but right now uh, you and I uh, were on the board with the Kansas State Rifle Association. I know that you focus a lot on the Second Amendment issues, and while we, I, I just saw news literally this morning getting ready for the show that Joe Biden and the Biden administration preparing for Second Amendment regulations coming down from Congress which means now's the time for us to kind of act at the statewide level to preserve, as some states have called it, the Second Amendment sanctuary state that many are wanting to be. Kansas, I know that we're up there on some of the gun rights across the nation uh, with state legislation we already have, but we could go a little bit further. I know you guys are working on that right now, so talk about what you guys have been doing. Yeah, so I've had a, a lot of people reaching out to me saying that they want to become a sanctu- uh, Second Amendment sanctuary state as well. However, um, Kansas did it before it was cool. <laughs> so we, we, yes, exactly. So in 2013, even before my time in the legislature, um, the legislature passed what's called the Second Amendment Protection Act here in Kansas. And really what it does is it says that any federal law, order, treaty, whatever, um, that is that violates the Second Amendment is null and void. Um, and, and is in the state of Kansas will not enforce it. We will not have our law enforcement enforce it, you know, so on and so forth. And so 
Uh, we passed that back in 2013. So we, we are kind of already ahead of the curve on all that. Um, as far as recent gun legislation that we're currently working on, there's a bill that has come back up. Um, we've seen it. The issue emerged in 2017. The House has passed it twice now, and it's working on its third attempt. The, the problem that we had was there was this one specific senator who was in leadership over on the Senate side um, who killed all pro-Second Amendment bills since 2016. And so this is the first year that that person is no longer in the legislature, and we actually have an opportunity now to um, pass Second Amendment legislation again and get it to the governor's desk. Do I think she's going to sign it? Absolutely not. Do I think we have the ability to override? I think that there might be a chance. Um, the legislation that I'm referring to is um, dealing with reciprocity. So the attorney, the Kansas Attorney General has pushed a bill for the last four years, um, attempting to make sure that we have true reciprocity with other states, because in 2015, um, some language was accidentally struck from our statute to where um, when we passed constitutional carry, which is permanent carry, um, a line or two was struck accidentally where it made it to where we didn't have true reciprocity with other states anymore. Mm. So we need to basically get that true reciprocity back um, so that we identify, so that we um, recognize other state permits and so that they will recognize ours as well. Right now we're at around 38, 40, I believe it's actually 40 states is how many states recognize our concealed carry permit. If we don't get this fixed soon, then there are some states who might re, uh, rescind their recognition of the Kansas permit. And so we are trying to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to carry in as many states as possible. Yeah, I mean, we need to know. I love the response from the other side of the aisle when I heard some of the debate on the House uh, in the House about this bill to where the Democrats said, well, if we pass something like this, it would be easier to carry in the state of Kansas, and we can't have that. Well, and and during the debate in the Federal and State Affairs Committee where, where this bill was passed out, um, they attempted to repeal um, the – they attempted, let's see, they, they, they ran two amendments. One of them was to repeal constitutional carry, um, and then the other one was to repeal um, capital carry um, to where people cannot carry firearms in the Capitol, including legislators. And so I, I was just like, no, no, these, these are bad ideas. You're just trying to restrict and take away – we currently have as rights to be able to carry and protect ourselves. Yeah. Um, I think what you will end up seeing, though, is that um, it's happened twice before. It'll probably happen again this year. Um, that that gun bill that I was just referring to, to uh, that the attorney general is pushing, it'll make it to the House floor, and it'll most likely be amended on the House floor, if I had to guess, um, which lowers then then lowers the age to 18 to be able to conceal carry here in the state of Kansas. And we do actually currently have the ability for 18, 19, and 20-year-olds to open carry. Right. They just can't put their jacket over the firearm because now they're breaking the law. Yeah, it sounds really weird why you can't open carry but you can't conceal carry because you mentioned it's, it's two degrees outside. I want to carry, but I can't like cover up my firearm, so now I'm breaking the law because I'm 18 years old, 19 years old, and I want to carry my firearm, but I can't wear my coat. So that just seems a little strange. Uh, so that's just a kind of a common sense thing. To push, but as you mentioned, hopefully it'll be able to go through the House of Representatives. Are you concerned about it going to the Senate now that we have a little bit more conservative leadership uh, in some of the different positions over there, or uh, do you think that this will just kind of die off this year? Well, we do have a lot on our on our agenda as far as um, <laughs> Governor Kelly's Kansas Department of Labor uh, department. Um, and and it, it's just a cluster right there. So, I mean, it, it's one of those deals of we are trying to address, um, you know, vaccine distribution. We're trying to address the economy. We're trying to address unemployment. 
Um, so we do have a lot of other very pressing concerns that we are focusing on as well. Um, I do believe that we will, there's 165 of us, so we all can't be working on one issue at a time, right? Um, there's just, I mean, that, then there's too many cooks in the kitchen kind of a deal. So sure. we all assist and try to do the best we can. Um, then there's certain individuals who are champions on those issues, kind of like, you know, my, my big issue that I've typically tend to historically push is the Second Amendment. You know, as you referred to, I'm on the Kansas State Rifle Association board with you. And um, and so that constitutional items is what I typically tend to push um, in elections. And so that's that's pretty much every every legislator typically tends to have a niche um, and and they become the experts in that legal field. And then they, you know, drive help drive a lot of the policy out of that field. Sure. Yeah. Well, you could just do what Democrats do and just slip it into a ridiculous build of, you know, banning Columbus Day or something. And that way you could push that. And that way Democrats get what they want. We get what we want. You know what? Just decide it into something completely irrelevant to the Second Amendment. And then they won't even know it's there. <laughs> well, thankfully, we're not as broken as Washington, D.C. here at our state capitol. So I don't think we'll have to worry too much about that. You know, however, um, so I also sit on the committee where we heard the Indigenous Peoples Day bill or what have you. Um, and and my, my big question is, why do we have to cancel Columbus Day? Why, yeah. why do you feel the need to cancel stuff? Instead, why can't you just pick a different day? It could even be the day before or the day after. Why can't you? I mean, why do you have to go after Christopher Columbus? Just pick a different day on the calendar. There's, you know, uh, there's a few that you can, obviously Christmas, whatever. But, you know, for the most part, you have like 350 days that you could also choose. That's true. But then you would be a racist. So there is that going for you as well. State Representative Blake Carpenter for the Derby area. Let's talk about, you mentioned at the beginning, the Second Amendment Protection Act. Is You mentioned, I mean, that is kind of a sanctuary bill that we have for the state of Kansas. Is that still active? I know after some of the court cases where it said that, well, no, you guys can't enforce that with some of the manufacturing or buying, selling, trading of firearms within the state of Kansas. doesn't need to be registered uh, sort of thing. So the, the Second Amendment Protection Act is still active is it just modified? Are we just not able to hold up in certain types of court? What's going on with that bill right now? Yeah, so it, it was not declared unconstitutional. And I think where you're going with this is in 2016, Kettler and Cox were both taken to court by the federal government because um, those individuals or one of those individuals produced a silencer uh, that was manufactured, made here in Kansas and, and sold. And, and according to the Second Amendment Protection Act, you are allowed to do that. Um, however, uh, one of those individuals purchased the silencer from the gun shop and went home and used it, put it on Facebook, and the FBI or some federal government law enforcement agency saw it and then basically um, came down hard on it And in that it was an illegal suppressor. And so they took him to federal court uh, right, out of he- right here in Wichita, and um, basically we were trying to get the attorney general involved at the time, trying to stand up for, for Kansans' rights against the federal government. Um, they ended up, I believe it was getting probation. Um, I don't know if they actually served any jail time, but basically there was a little bit of federal law. It, it put them into it, this legal loop where, yes, the Second Amendment Protection Act covered them, but also it didn't do it good enough because federal law still kind of overrode. And so we would, we would have to actually go back in and tweak that. It has been a number of years since I have looked at how that tweak would, would even look. And I think that one of the reasons why we, we haven't tweaked that law at this point is because it's not a definite um, fix, if I, if I recall correctly, because it could still happen again. So, I mean, as far as the, manu- the, 
as far as the manufacturing portion of that law goes, as long as you manufacture it until it stays in the state of Kansas, I probably wouldn't, you know, use that part of the law because we've already seen what that has done to other people in the past. Sure. Um, however, we do still have the other portion of it, which talks about, you know, pretty much nullification of any federal gun laws. Um, one thing that I will say, though, is that um, I think it was Montana. Montana had a very similar law, very similar language that was struck down as unconstitutional um, in the federal courts of law. So we will have to, um, I guess, see how see how that looks going forward here. Um, and and it, it's really just up in the air to see if the federal courts would declare it unconstitutional or not. Sure. Well, and I mean, it's a great opportunity for us to try and build upon that and continue to try and structure that. Because my, one of my other questions is that I've been promoting on our other show during the week, the national broadcast is talking about nullification of federal law coming down by the states, because really that's our big way to opt out of some of the Joe Biden administration stuff with all the progressivism that's going on with Democrats running both chambers, with Democrats running the the, the presidency right now. And they're going to be coming down with massive tax bills, massive spending bills, massive regulation bills, uh, environmental bills, whatever. You know, do we have the ability to stand up and nullify? And has that been a conversation in Topeka right now of, you know what, we may not want to jump on board with some of these uh, movements the federal government's doing. We're just going to nullify it at the state level and kind of do our own thing. Is that a possibility right now? Well, I would absolutely uh, love to have that conversation, um, but I would say that there's probably a lack of that conversation right now, currently in our state capitol. Um, the Founding Fathers even discussed nullification, and when something is against the Constitution under Article 1, Section 8, which is the enumerated powers of Congress, it is the right and duty of the state legislatures and the people to stand up and say, we're not going to participate or do what you want us to do because it's outside of your constitutional powers. Um, and so I think that, you know, it is absolutely something that we could focus on, we could do. However, um, I think that states feel like we've lost a lot of power, right? Sure. I think that over this last hundred year period, states feel like they are um, servants more or less to the central government in that the central government passes the laws, passes whatever they want, and then the states have to follow, they have to implement it. And I think we have to break that thinking of if they tell us to do it, we have to do it. Um, but additionally, if you look at, for instance, um, you have to be 21 years of old in order to consume tobacco, uh, tobacco and alcohol now. Well, the tobacco one just recently came out a year or two ago, and they passed that inside of a budget at the federal level. And so what they've done with both of these issues is they've really resorted to what is bribery, in my opinion. So they can't just outright tell us, no, you you have to have it at 21. That's where we're setting it at, because we just still do have states' rights. And so what they're doing is if you do not in, if you do not increase the age of tobacco consumption, then we will um, withhold federal funds from you for this program. Right. And so then now the question becomes for legislators here in Topeka, is that money worth the fight? In my opinion, it is. Um, I, I don't think that we should really result to the, you know, go, go to bribery <laughs> and allow the federal government to get what they want. Um, and in, our policy decision should be that of, of our constituents and not what some 
um, national legislature is attempting to force us to do. Yeah, I mean, it's the mobster mentality. Yeah, either we're not going to tell you you have to, but if you don't do it, then you're not going to get the funding for this program. And all about, I mean, we saw that with John Kasich during the presidential run in 2016, where he said he wanted to ban abortion in the state of Ohio, but the federal government would cut his funding for Medicaid, and 30% of the population in Ohio is on Medicaid. So I, I, he even said on the debate stage, I would love to, but I can't because the federal government has me uh, in the in the not-so-friendly place, and I can't do anything about it. And that's really an awakening that's been going on over the last couple of years. And I think now with such a progressive movement from the federal level, I think we need to start having that conversation and saying, you know what, maybe our state needs to become just a little bit more independent on our own financially and becoming that sovereign state like we used to be back in the day before just becoming a whim to the federal government. Last question before we let you go, State Representative Blake Carpenter from the Derby area. Uh, But talk about the latest from you guys reworking the the Kansas Emergency Management Act uh, with the vaccine distribution. Uh, where are you guys at with this? Do you think that the chemo is going to expire at the end of March like we've heard a rumor of? And uh, where, where's the latest on the conversation with that bill? Wrapping up hour number one of Kansas Talkers goes by way too fast. Thanks again to Blake Carpenter, state representative from the Derby area, coming on the show, talking about some Second Amendment issues, some bills, I mean, common sense bills. Hey, you can open carry if you're 18 years old, but you can't conceal carry if you put on a coat because it's two degrees outside. Uh-uh, can't be doing that now. Just trying to fix those little things, plus trying to embrace our reciprocity for other states so that way they recognize ours as well so you can continue to carry concealed carry uh, not just in the state of Kansas but elsewhere as well and they have to recognize your concealed carry permit in those other states kind of a big deal so if you're involved in the second amendment or that's a big concern for you then that's something you may want to call your elected official on and make sure that they push that above the line to be able to get onto the house floor and onto the senate as well I know they're busy with COVID stuff I know they're busy with the chemo the Kansas Emergency Management Act I know they're Worried about tax bills now, but that's kind of an important bill, at least to me, to where maybe we should focus a little bit of attention on that one. Coming up in hour number two, we have Dave Trauber with the Kansas Policy Institute. We'll be talking about the two tax bills that were presented. The Republicans in the legislature proposed a bill cutting taxes. What a terrible thing. So the Democrats and Dina Sykes, state senator, Democrats, uh, went up there with a press conference with Governor Laura Kelly just a couple days ago to prevent, uh, present the Democrat proposal for tax cuts, which weren't really tax cuts. They said, now we're just going to start taxing all of your streaming services. So if you purchase things online, if you try and uh, watch things online, we're going to charge you for that. And we're going to tax you on those things because, well, we don't like you getting tax cuts. I was uh, doing the news throughout the week. I came across a story from the Associated Press, and I thought it was hilarious because they talk about journalism and how it's unbiased and all this other garbage. The Associated Press, the most quote-unquote unbiased out there, according to some, which is not true in any way, shape, or form. It's actually the opposite. They had a story that said, well, Republicans just can't contain themselves. Republicans are trying to do another failed tax cut like they did with Governor Brownback so many years ago. They're trying because they just can't contain themselves and just stop from doing dumb things and blah, 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 blah. So it's fun to watch them lose their minds over Republicans proposing tax cuts in the state of Kansas again. Because, you know, COVID, that's making it hard for people to like pay for things. 
So why not ta- ta- uh, cut taxes and relieve the burden a little bit for some individuals to, I don't know, get groceries or buy things that they need to during times when they're struggling to even find work? Wild content. We'll talk about more of that in hour number two, plus open lines to you. We have lots to get to in hour number two at Candace Talk right here on The Big Talker, KQAM. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Hey, welcome into Kansas Talk, hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on Big Talker, 1480 AM and 102.5 FM KQAM. It's a Saturday morning. Great to have you. Trying to get you up and moving for the day. I know it's cold. I know it's dreary. Might be getting some more snow. Might be getting some more ice. We have like a negative 10 wind chill. So that's awesome as we try and go through our Arctic winter here in Kansas. The first time I think it's been this cold for this long since like 1985 or 6 or something like that. It's been crazy. Nonetheless, I'm kind of enjoying it. I enjoy the cool weather. And it wakes you up, gets you moving for the day. (laughs) Hopefully. So there is that. Welcome in. All presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. Make sure to visit them. They are open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. They're also open online all the time at fieldscoins.com. Make sure to check them out. We had a heck of a first hour here on Kansas Talk as we had Cedric County Commissioner Jim Howell talking about the latest with COVID uh, distribution, the vaccine distribution in the community here for South Central Kansas. We also had State Representative Blake Carpenter talking about some Second Amendment issues in the state, uh, trying to clean up some of the reciprocity laws, trying to clean up some of the concealed carry laws, and uh, trying to reinforce our Second Amendment Protection Act. So all good news, and hopefully we can make all of that happen, among other things here in the state. We have Dave Traubert coming up at the bottom of this hour with the Kansas Policy Institute as Republicans in the state legislature have officially proposed a new tax bill trying to cut some taxes in the state due to the COVID pandemic. We have Democrats giving an alternative tax bill that wants to tax you for more things because what better way to say, I know you're struggling, Kansas, during a pandemic. We want to tax you more for what you're doing because we lost our revenue in the state. So to hell with you and what you care about. It's really about what the government needs because they are way more important than your own personal finances. So we'll talk about those bills and talk about the differences of those with Dave Traubert coming up at the bottom of the hour. Until then, though, it's open lines to you at 316-721-8255. 316721 talk. I would love to hear your thoughts on all these issues and more. There are way more legislative bills uh, in the legislature that I want to talk about. Between a civics bill, State Representative Steve Hubert is trying to promote a civics bill, making it uh, mandatory for high school students to take an additional civics class before they graduate. And it would essentially be a quiz or a test of the naturalization test for someone becoming a U.S. citizen getting naturalized in the country, it would essentially be the same thing. You need to know those things before you graduate high school. I'm assuming, now we need to get him on the program because I'm assuming that there are just, his concern is there are too many people that are just caring more about what Kim Kardashian does on Twitter than what our state government or federal government does and to make sure that we're at least aware of civic-minded issues so we don't go down the road that we've been going down so far with, you know, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and all the crazy wackadoodles on the other side of the aisle that just say, hey, government allows us to do anything we want to do. What are those limitations? 
and what are the rules from the Constitution, and should we have a civics class? So that's kind of some cool news. We'll get Steve Huber on the program to talk about that a little bit later as well. I want to bring up, though, and I want to ask you the question, and we have some calls jumping on here, so we'll get to you here in just a second. But here's the question that I propose to you today on the show. When it comes to freedom of speech, where is that line drawn for freedom of speech? No, I know. I know. That's a controversial uh, comment or question because we finally, this is the first day that we're back on Facebook Live for Candace Talk for the last month because we were blocked. We were banned. We weren't allowed to do it. We, I, I had made a comment on Twitter or on Facebook right around the time of the protests in Washington, D.C. about a month ago where here was my direct quote that got me banned from doing any kind of Facebook Live, where I said, this is quote by quote, I do not believe Donald Trump was responsible for the protest in Washington, D.C. And as soon as I hit click and and post on that, I automatically got blocked. I said that I had certain services on Facebook temporarily banned to me, and I have not been able to do a Facebook Live for Candace Talk nor The Voice of Reason for the last month. This week, we were finally able to start getting The Voice of Reason back on Facebook. We finally have Candace Talk back on there, so censorship in the cancer Uh, cancel culture is real. I like to call it cancer culture because it's really true. It is a cancer in society that's infesting and growing and multiplying all over because now it's becoming accepted or it's just, eh, it's there. There's nothing we can do about it. It's a cancer. Canceling people just because you don't like what they have to say or their opinions or even if it's a quote-unquote conspiracy theory does not matter. They have the right to say that. And it's hate speech. What's hate speech? What's the definition of hate speech? Because there were a lot of individuals on the other side of the aisle for a really long time over the last four years that have been hating absolute, like, vile, like, foaming at the mouth, beady red eyes, having an aneurysm, hating Sam Brownback, Donald Trump, Chris Kobach, any Republican that wore a a MAGA hat, any conservative, like, they were literally foaming at the mouth, beady red eyes, pointy teeth, about ready to, like, gnarl at you because they had rabies. It's been ridiculous. Now, I want to play a clip here because this leads into a story that came out of Topeka just a couple of days ago. But I don't know if you've been watching any of the impeachment trials out of Washington, D.C. We played this clip yesterday on The Voice of Reason. But finally, Trump's defense team came out and kind of turned the tables a little bit on the other side of the aisle as they say that Donald Trump's a hateful individual wanting to incite violence in this nation. And what the heck have the Democrats been doing the last four years? I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. you got to be ready to throw a punch. Well, you have to be ready to throw a punch. Donald Trump, I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. That I thought he should have punched him in the face. I feel like punching him. I'd like to take him behind the gym if I were in high school. If we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. No, I wish we were in high school, I could take him behind the gym. I will go and take Trump out tonight. Take out now. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Please get up in the face of some Congress people. People will do what they do. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. We're going to go in there, we're going to... This is just a warning to you Trumpers. 
Be careful. Walk lightly. And for those of you who are soldiers, make them pay. If you had to be stuck in an elevator with either President Trump, Mike Pence, or Jeff Sessions, who would it be? Does one of us have to come out alive? <laughs> All right, so there is the clip that the defense attorney from President Donald Trump did during the impeachment trial, what was it, yesterday when he played that two days ago. So it's about time. It's about time that they started turning the table a little bit on the hate that we've had to endure the last four years, plus, of course, the attack of people wearing MAGA hats in, in just public where they would have sodas poured on them, they'd be beaten in the streets, all the, all the I mean, you're just an automatic domestic terrorist, a racist, yada, yada, yada. I mean, obviously the hate is on the left side of the aisle, but I love that clip from Cory Booker, though, too. You need to get in the face of elected officials. It's exactly what happened on January 6th, but when we do it, then it's apparently domestic terrorism, which is very strange. I don't want to talk about that issue. The reason I bring that up is because now there's a, uh, after all of that that's been going on for years in the country with the spiteful, vile, foaming at the mouth, uh, you know, aneurysms coming from the other side of the aisle, now they're playing the victim of, oh my gosh, you're being so mean to us, how could you possibly do that? There's a story out of the Topeka Capital Journal that his Trump-loving neighbor hung a vulgar sign about President Joe Biden. Now there's some of these flags flying around. It looks like almost, you know, Trump 2020 or Trump 2024 or whatever, uh, where it says blank Biden. That's what the flag says. And it's flying. I've actually seen some flying around with people sticking them in the back of their trunks as they drive down the road. But they're flying on their home, and it's the F word blank Biden. And the Topeka Capital Journal had the gonads to write a story saying, I can't believe that they have such a vulgar sign in their yard. And they went to the city of Topeka to try and get that flag banned because it's so offensive. Now, as far as I'm aware, the latest story that I saw was that they've actually upheld it because you have the freedom of speech and it's on their property and you can do what you want. But they're losing their minds over playing the victim like they do so well. Of, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're so vulgar and so anti-Joe Biden. How could you be so spiteful and hateful? Which I refer back to the clip that we just aired of how can you not be frustrated and angry after what we've had to endure the last four years. So my question to you, and we got some calls I want to get to here, is uh, where do you stand with the First Amendment and where is that line drawn? Is that something that's acceptable, that's okay to be flying around, or should something like that be taken away? Because, well, we just need to take the higher moral ground and we need to just stop all the hate that's going on, even though they still just hate you and try to punish you and silence you and, you know, call you a domestic terrorist and take away your firearms and raise your taxes and just tell you that you don't have any personal individual freedoms. (laughs) Not that I'm biased or anything. Let's go to the phones and get your thoughts. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK, line number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is uh, Frederick. Frederick, how are you, my friend? I am fine. And you had Jim Howell on for a solid half hour talking about COVID and the vaccination. Yeah. And yesterday I went to the Interest Bank Arena and I had my uh, vaccination. Okay. Okay. Um, I will. Some parts of it, I would give the county an A plus, but reality, as far as waiting, is um, a friend of mine waited one hour uh, yesterday. People were waiting as long as three hours. Oh my! Okay. And that's not um, that's not a joke. It's it is reality, um, but. The people now were they waiting in uh, line for three hours or were they waiting in the vehicle? I I, I heard that they tried no, to move the no, line indoors. I, yeah. 
first of all, forget about that crap about uh, going there 20 minutes ahead of time, okay? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, okay, my reality was, my appointment was for 445, okay? Now, um, I got there, being a good Boy Scout, I got there at 420 mm-hmm. to go in. Okay, the line, the people in line I was with, uh, approximately three hours to go through. Okay, wow, that's reality. Okay, that's um, now. Um, was it just like a people, staffing? Were they just moving slow? What What did you witness? Um, there are just so many, many people there, hundreds mm-hmm. of people in line. I mean, it was hundreds of people in line uh, to get the vaccination. Now, the people, uh, they had did, they did have sure. First of all, it was very difficult to find a parking spot. Sure. Uh, the sheriff's office was there directing traffic. Um, the people that had a desk there were very professional. Uh, the person taking your temperature, very professional. Uh, the people that were helping other people, uh, uh, the staff members, very professional. And you went through all of this line, and then you got into where uh, where the hockey players have their uh, uh, have their hockey matches into the main area. Sure. And you go in there, and uh, there's about seven or eight stations there that you are assigned to, you go there and you sit down and you get a shot and then you go and sit for about 20 minutes and they have uh, two EM, uh, EMT individuals there that's monitoring those people. But the deal of it is, and first of all, nobody complained. Uh, people my age, we went there to get the vaccination. No complaints. You didn't have anybody yelling, nobody screaming, nobody doing anything like that. Sure. We quietly waited in line. And we got our vaccination and we talked among ourselves and we said, well, we can wait in line for the next two hours. And in two hours, when we leave, we'll by tonight, when we go to bed tonight or wake up tomorrow morning, we'll have our vaccination or we can choose to leave and wake up tomorrow morning and not have it. And the people that I was in line with, I chose to stay. And although it took two and a half to three hours to get through, uh, at the end of the day, we have our vaccination. Mm. So that's reality. But, I mean, for people to go there and think they're going to pop in there and pop out. Now, on the flip side of that, my wife Thursday got her vaccination from a private pharmacy here in Wichita. Okay. And um, her wait time was uh, 45 seconds. Okay. Well, and that's <laughs> that was my next question. I was curious to see how compared to, like, Interest Bank Arena where the mass – group oh is gosh. going if some of the other private pharmacies that are starting to get the vaccine if they're a lot more efficient which uh i mean i get it. i mean if, if it's a private pharmacy then usually the ones that go to that pharmacy are going to be uh you know the ones that go there it's not going to be a mad rush there as opposed to the county that's administering in in large groups so it's interesting I, I actually just got a comment from jim Howell on the facebook live they're talking about how you're supposed to arrive 20 15 to 20 minutes prior to and already have an appointment but many people are just showing up um, without the appointment kind of clogging up some of the lines. So it's interesting to see uh, an experience of kind of what you went through between the two different scenarios, and hopefully maybe more staffing will help that, maybe getting it more streamlined. But I get it. I mean, we have you know hundreds of thousands of people that 
need to get the vaccine and they're all, you know, wanting to get it. And like you, you know, regardless of how long the line is, I'm going to wait here and make sure that I get it appropriately. So it's interesting to see how smoothly or not so much it's going in, uh, across the state and here in the county. But I, but I will say this, as far as the county employees go and et cetera like that, grade A, uh, beautiful people, good, good people. Good. They did the best they could. But on the now, to be quite honest with you, my wife went to a place called Professional Pharmacy here in Wichita, and she made an appointment online. And we just, I, I went with her, just pulled up, uh, walked inside, and they gave us a, um, a sheet of paper, took her, temp- took her temperature. She went in, sat down, and answered a few questions. She yeah, got the shot. That. And she went over and she went over and sat down for about 20 minutes and left and she got the card. Now, professional pharmacy, um, again, grade A. I mean, although it's a local pharmacy, I mean, sure. it, it was grade A, but um, good. Well, possibly I'm glad there were people. Sh- real, real quickly, I got, another, people. I got another caller I want to get to real quickly. But okay, is, is, go, well, that's all right. We'll quickly talk about it. I mean, how do you feel after the vaccine? Are you feeling sickly? Are you feeling off? Is it fine? Uh, I mean, how's it work? Uh, to be quite honest with you, uh, uh, my arm is sore, okay. but that's okay if I've got my vaccination and I can jump up and down and say, hey, I've got it. So far, so good. So far, so good. Well, good. We'll keep, a, uh, keep us posted on that. And hopefully, I saw a picture of someone that had like their entire arm turned like blue and black with a big bruise or something. So hopefully that doesn't happen uh, to a lot of people. So I'm so glad it worked well. And thanks for the uh, to giving us the experience on what you saw from both accounts between a private pharmacy and the county. Frederick, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Stay warm out there with this crazy weather. We got some other calls. We'll get to you. We got to take a break here real quick. So don't go anywhere. We'll take your phone call as soon as we come back right here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. This is Phil Martinez with Phil's Coins. And I'm not sure how it works. I don't understand the science or the other things that enter into this. But I've seen people save incredible amounts of money by just coming in with no set schedule and buying whatever amount of silver is comfortable for them that week. Now fast forward a couple of years later, one to two to maybe even $3,000 worth of silver that they've been sitting on and they can cash it in at any time. Come see me at Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central. Six minutes past the hour. Welcome back into the program here on the Big Talker KQAM. It's Kansas Talk. I'm Andy Hoosier. Thanks for joining us here, trying to wake you up on a Saturday morning, the way we do every single weekend, trying to get you informed on the latest and greatest across the state of Kansas and here in South Central Kansas. Making it happen. All right, three one six seven two one eight two five five three one six seven two one talk. We have Dave Trobert, Kansas Policy Institute, coming up in about oh ten minutes. So stay tuned in for that one. Until then, it's open lines to you at 316-721-8255. And let's go right back to the phones. Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Burr. What's going on, Sean? It is very cold out there. You stay nice and roasty, toasty warm today? Hey, yeah, but you know, I don't even think the Wicked Witch of the West has the hardest cold as these temperatures. (laughs) (laughs) It is cold. I know it's cold when my vehicles take an extra like couple seconds and and then it finally kicks on. I'm like, all right, you know, we're uh, we're testing the limits here. We'll see how long that continues. Yeah, well, get yourself an 875 amp interstate battery. 
you won't have any problems in getting it started. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. Uh, yeah. What about you? So, uh, vaccine, have you gotten the vaccine yet? Uh, no, and I'm not going to for a while. I, I, uh, I thought you had to be a minimum of 70 to get it anyway. Mm, yeah, that's true. Okay, so yeah, they're doing the 70 and up here in Sedgwick County. I uh, Depending on what county you're in, they have the different age groups right now. I think phase two statewide is like 65 years and up. So they're working on that, but uh, there are some that are kind of bumping that up a little bit. So uh, 70 right now for Sedgwick County. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I'm going to give you my thoughts, but it's going to cost you a penny. Okay. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send my associate, Mr. Carmine Scarducci over to the station to collect. I'll be ready. So, okay. Now <clears throat> I believe the question was, Oh, geez. What, what what exactly did you want to know? The again? First Amendment uh, with the flag that says blank Biden. Should that be accepted as the city of Topeka has allowed it so far? But now many people playing the victim of, oh, why are you um, being so vulgar against Joe Biden? Because you're flying flags that say blank Biden. Should that well, be accepted? I put it to you like this, man. <clears throat> Not everybody's a Christian. Okay. Everybody's different as well, Christian or not. They got their own opinions and whatnot. But sure. uh, I personally wouldn't do it. I would rather, I would rather follow the example of Christ, unless taking the moral high ground. Physical, yeah, unless I came under actual physical uh, assault, then I've got the uh, God-given right to defend myself. Sure. But no, I wouldn't drive around with uh, with a flag in my truck says F Biden. No, all right. All right. I, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't want kids to see that kind of language. It sets a bad example for. That's a good point. For, no, you're uh, right. Here, here's my thought: is you're right. I, I mean, we need to take the moral high ground, but I understand why so many people are doing it after the abuse that they've received for the last four years for wearing a MAGA hat okay. and getting punched and stuff. I mean, I, I understand the anger and the frustration and the just I don't care anymore. But you're right. I mean, at some point, someone's got to take the moral high ground, and uh, we always preach doing that. So why don't we? You know, practice what we preach. So that's a great point, Sean. I hate to cut you off. We got to take a break here. Uh, we're coming up on a hard break, but that's an interesting perspective. So I appreciate that. When we come back after the bottom of the hour, Dave Trobert, Kansas Policy Institute, he'll be joining us. The two tax bills, the Republicans versus the Democrats. It's round number whatever here in the state of Kansas, and the Republicans just can't contain themselves trying to cut all those taxes for evil rich people. All that and more coming up on Kansas Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Darn right you are. Welcome back into the program. You know what's really funny is this kind of music, especially Rage Against the Machine, is like so anti-government. That used to be the other side of the, the progressives, the Democrats against George Bush, against the evil Republicans who are just the big government kind of people, which is hilarious because that's not the case. This actually fits on the conservative side, doesn't it? Just like, hey, to leave us alone, we're going to do our own thing. Yeah. That's been my mission as a millennial, you know, and as you can see, kind of got the Mohawk thing going. My goal is to try and bring over the punk rockers, try to bring over the the metal heads, whatever you want to call them, the tattoo parlors, the uh, the piercing people, you know, and just say, leave me alone. Don't judge me. Don't do my thing. I just want to do my thing, man. Bring them onto the conservative side because that's really what the conservative principles are all about, right? You do you. I do me. We'll just live happily ever after. 
And that's what it's all about. Welcome back into the program. Last ha- half hour of the program goes by way too fast. Last uh, little bit, Joe Pags live with The Weekend coming up here in just a bit on KQAM. Make sure to stay tuned in for that one. Also, a reminder for you, NASCAR. Yes, it may be four degrees, although, I mean, it was two, so now we're in a heat wave at four degrees right now. It may be four degrees outside, but NASCAR is officially starting the Daytona 500 coming up tomorrow. Pre-game at 1230, we'll have it right here on the Big Talker KQAM, presented by Auto Tech and Kennedy Tire and Auto Care Center. We appreciate them very much. Uh, can just talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. It's presented by Phil's Coins, buying, selling, and trading with all uh, your honesty and integrity with all your gold and silver needs. Make sure to check them out. 9344 West Central Avenue. They are open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. Also online at uh, philscoins.com. All right, tax bills. Let's get into what's trending here in the state of Kansas as uh, we have some fun bills coming up, and we've talked about the civics bill. We've talked about some of the Second Amendment bills. Uh, very important, and thanks to our guests coming on the program. But now the Republicans this week, proposed a tax bill where, you know, cutting taxes. Oh, my dear, how could you do such a thing? So what happened was Governor Laura Kelly with a few state elected officials uh, did a press conference and said, no, 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 here's our plan because it is, according to Governor Kelly, here's her exact words, it is inconceivable, quote unquote, to think about cutting taxes right now during a pandemic. How could you possibly want to cut taxes when people are financially hurting and laid off and can't pay their bills. Why would you not want to tax them as much? You bunch of jerks like taxing rich people and, you know, cutting taxes on rich people and cutting taxes on everybody. How dare you? So they presented their bill, which was essentially, yeah, we'll give some people some breaks by giving you some money, but we're going to tax you for, like, watching stream uh, streamed movies online, streaming services online. We're just going to tax you for that. That's awesome. So to break down the two bills... In the red corner, the Republicans proposing their tax plan to want to actually cut taxes and relieve tax burdens in the state of Kansas. And in the blue corner, the Democrats, which, by the way, the Associated Press, I was doing a news report a couple of days ago, the Associated Press ran a story about the tax bill and the most biased, ridiculous thing I had ever seen in my entire life. They literally said, Republicans just can't contain themselves. They tried the tax experiment a few years ago with evil Sam Brownback, who's the most horrible person on the face of the earth now except for Trump. Uh, because Sam Brownback was terrible, and they just can't contain themselves. It was a failed tax policy. Now they're trying to do it again. And Democrats are proposing a nice one where we just tax everybody, and it's all great. So to talk about all that and more, we're excited to have back on the program with the Kansas Policy Institute. It's Dave Trobert with us here. Dave, what's going on, sir? How are you? Morning, Andy. Happy to be back. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. They are two... Uh, different bills, obviously, between what the Republicans proposed and the Democrats trying to make a big extravagant presentation with Governor Laura Kelly a few days ago. Talk about the difference between these two bills and what they've actually proposed. Well, the, the, the main difference is that Governor Kelly's idea of tax relief is to first take money from people and then hand it back some of it back to them and say, see, this is how I'm helping you. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it's silly. It's like it's like a uh, someone stopping you on the sidewalk, taking your wallet with $100 in and saying, here, I'll give you 20 back. See, I gave you tax relief. That's nonsense. Uh, the, the tax plan that passed the Senate uh, has, uh, it actually it started out as two bills and got molded into one. Uh, has a number of measures that would, most of which would undo previous tax increases imposed by Governor Kelly. Uh, She was in the Senate when she voted for the 2017 and the 2018 
tax increase. In 2019, as governor, she vetoed a bill that would have prevented taxes from going up as a result of changes in the federal tax code. And now here in 2021, she wants to impose her fourth tax increase on Kansans in five years. Unbelievable. I mean, she just can't really contain herself with wanting to tax. Now, I remember at the very beginning when she first got into office, before I left for Ohio, before I kind of uh, wanted to come back and and that whole extravagant uh, event, I guess, uh, when she first got into office, they talked about wanting to lower the sales tax on food, which is something that she even campaigned on, wanting to lower sales tax on groceries. Because why should we be paying 6.5% sales tax on groceries like everything else when that affects even low-income individuals trying to take care of their family and buy groceries? And she said, we need to wait till the dust settles in the state and for just spending to calm down and for the environment to calm down. Then we can look at the lowering of sales tax of food but yet, obviously, she hasn't done it. Is that still on the table? And is that included in either of the bills from the Republicans or the Democrats? No, it's not. Uh, and, and it's interesting, the hypocrisy of Governor Kelly and others who are who said all along, oh, this is horrible, terrible to have a higher sales tax on food because, you know, sales taxes are regressive. But now over here, we're going to tax you for Disney and Netflix and other stuff. And all of a sudden, sales taxes aren't regressive. Uh, they, they just can't. I mean, this is like the gang that can't shoot straight, but they know they have cover from mainstream media uh, who will hold them up as pious and, and doing the right thing but for the little person, all the while picking the pockets of everyone in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate. When it comes to uh, Governor Kelly's bill, we had mentioned, I mean, some of the sales taxes she wants to impose on streaming services. No, I kind of sort of understand the conversation about taxing online purchases just because it gives the online companies uh, that may be out of state an incentive as opposed to buying local. But I would rather like to see an incentive of cutting taxes for businesses locally as opposed to imposing other taxes on other services by purchasing things online. But I kind of sort of understand at least the conversation on that front. But when it comes to streaming services, hey, I'm at home. It's during COVID. I can't go out to the bar a whole lot. The theaters are shut down. I got nothing else to do. I'm going to sign up for Hulu and for Netflix and for everything else so I can actually watch some things online at home. Now I'm going to be taxed with that? What the heck's going on here? Well, uh, you know, there are uh, there really good reason to have a comprehensive uh, discussion of what should be subject to sales tax. There's an awful lot of stuff that isn't subject to sales tax. But the first part of that conversation is, what, how much money does government really need to operate? Because the only thing that determines how much government taxes you, whether for sales, property, or income, is how much that government chooses to spend to provide services. And as we all know, uh, every, there's a tremendous amount of unnecessary spending or waste and so forth in, in any state, local, federal spending program. They never, ever look at that. And that was the real problem with the, uh, they referenced the Brownback tax plan. Uh, I mean, yes, it was foolish to cut taxes and increase spending, but Governor Brownback wasn't the only one who had a hand in that. Right. Every single Democrat and a lot of Republicans were totally unwilling to reduce the cost of government, not cut a service, cut the ridiculous cost of some of the services. Right. And, and that's what it comes down to. So, sure, we can talk about whether you want to uh, uh, subject uh, Netflix and Disney 
to uh, a sales tax, but let's also look at the individual companies that have been, or some of the other entities that have been exempted from sales tax. Let's look at the whole thing. You've got property tax. My goodness, you've got some hospitals pay property tax, others don't. Where, where's the so-called fairness in that? Let's look at the whole thing, but you have to know, first of all, what do we really need? Let's get rid of the waste, and then we can figure out how much we can reduce the tax burden on everyone. Well, that's a big question. We're talking with Dave Trauber, Kansas Policy Institute. Outside of the tax side of it on how much tax rates should be between the Republicans, Democrats, the spending bills themselves when it comes to the departments and agencies in the state of Kansas, obviously Governor Kelly has been promoting the entire last couple of years that all the agencies and departments are on bare bones. They can't function. We need to boost them up. The Department of uh, Unemployment or the Department of Labor is the perfect example of that because we have 30-year-old systems and we need to redo that and we need to hire more staff because we need to be able to compensate for having nearly 100% of the population in Kansas on unemployment if it gets to that because of a pandemic. Uh, are, are we really that bad with agencies and departments that don't have any money, or is that just kind of the political pandering? Uh, that's what you can get away with saying when you know media isn't going to <laughs> call you out for pants-on-fire claims. Mm-hmm. Uh, come on. Okay, so hollowed out. Their definition of hollowed out is government didn't get a gigantic increase. When when that 2017, the first tax increase went into effect in 2017 that they made retroactive, spending was already at an all-time high in Kansas. Media knows that it wasn't hollowed out. Governor Kelly knows that spending was at a record level. There was no such thing as hollowed out. But she gets away with making those kinds of baseless claims because media is mostly on her side. Uh, We had since then, since 2017, we have seen government has had a 35% pay increase. Our tax revenue went up 35% from fiscal 17 to fiscal 21. How many people out there in the listening audience, uh, Andy, do you think got a 35% pay increase over the last four years? Yeah, I'm still waiting on that one. For goodness sake, just government. And they did that because they wanted to spend like drunken sailors. They increased state spending almost by a third because they wanted to. They lavish money on schools that won't now even educate kids. Some of the schools, like in Wichita and John, now some of the some of the, some school districts around the state have always been open. All the private schools have mostly been open. The daycare centers have mostly been open. But these big districts that are under the thumb of teacher unions will not let kids in. And so what's Governor Kelly want to do? Let's give them another two hundred million dollars next year. Yeah, well, exactly. It's it's weird to watch. I mean, outside of the tax bills, I know Governor Kelly sent her budget proposal to the legislature. With luckily, it's not going to go anywhere. I mean, with such a conservative legislature in both chambers, they're just going to be like, thanks, and put it in the request bin that's going to be, you know, on the side of the desk. Uh, that's the trash bin because it's just ridiculous. But her bill that she proposed. Uh, really was we want to increase spending across the board for the agencies and departments, but we're also going to cut and reform the 
uh, retirement plan in the state, which they always love to re-amortize the, the retirement plan, which, you know, of course, is going to cost us more money in the long run. But what the heck, we can save a penny right now, but then also increase in education spending when half of the schools haven't even been in school across the state. So it's weird to watch them really focus again on education. At the same time, they're trying to cut benefits for teachers that are really kind of, you know, needing those benefits when they retire. It's, it, I've never seen a bill like this before. No, it, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out because, you know, it, uh, Kansas absolutely need tax relief. We have, uh, we're not the worst in the nation, uh, but we're, we're not great. Uh, we have the eight eighth or ninth highest combined state and local sales tax. We have some of the highest effective property tax rates in the nation. Uh, income tax or rates, the marginal rates are, you know, up sort of in the middle. That's not good, and especially when you pile on everything else. Uh, we need relief. Uh, taxes are one of the reasons we're losing people. There was a United Van Line study that came out. Uh, they, they do their annual thing of who's leaving what states and what reasons. 25% of the reasons people were leaving Kansas was for retirement. Sure. And and we have because, you know, if you work for if you didn't work for government, you've got pretty high income taxes uh, when you retire because and also you have property tax. Like government retirees, they've always politicians took care of state and local government retirees. Their pensions are not subject to income tax. The rest of us pay income tax on our retirement income. So that's one of the things senators and legislators, House members are trying to do is put private sector employees on a more level playing field with the government employees. That's real tax relief. And also those are the people who are getting taxed into their homes by local property tax. But yet those are the ones that Governor Kelly says are just trying to cut taxes for the rich and that we don't need to do that because that's harming the economy. That that makes no sense. No, it doesn't. There, none of it makes any sense. But again, you don't have to worry about making sense when media doesn't hold <laughs> you accountable. When you're not constrained by the truth, well, right. you say anything you want. Yeah, no, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, real quickly on that, we got about a minute or so left before we have to take a break and go. But I mean, your other side, I mean, your other project that you work on, is, of course, is the Sentinel at KSMO to really hold media and government accountable. Is how's that working? And are you still getting a lot of heat for some of the stories that you guys run on there? Well, uh, yeah, it's a love hate relationship because the Sentinel is dedicated to holding media and government accountable. So there are some people who love the stuff we're publishing. And there's others who get a lot of heartburn. Like just yesterday, we wrote a piece about the State Board of Education President Jim Porter deliberately trying to deceive legislators in a hearing about student achievement. Right. Uh, and and it's now mainstream media won't touch it. Uh, this isn't the first time we've caught uh, Jim Porter uh, twisting the truth, trying to deceive people. Um, but yeah, readership there it continues to set records, uh, really growing a lot. Uh, because people are thirsty for getting the truth. They, there is so much deception at all levels in our society today, and and we're just dedicated to, to holding the government accountable. So it's uh, the team there on the Sentinel is doing some really great work 
Well, I completely agree. I mean, people are thirsty for the truth and thirsty for knowledge right now because, I mean, usually political seasons, you know, talk radio and, and different news sources just kind of dip down, and they're not. We see more engaged, active people right now than ever before, I think largely because yeah. of what happened to President Trump and what's going on in D.C. right now with the frustrations of, you know, elections and with the impeachment trial and with being labeled domestic terrorists and with the protests. And, I mean, there's a lot of craziness going on right now, and we need to channel a lot of that energy into our state because the state needs I talked to the state legislators about this before. We need to work on protections for the state of Kansas to nullify federal regulations coming down, to nullify either taxes or, or gun regulations or, or Medicaid regulations or whatever else they want to do up there. We need to work on standing strong, becoming a sovereign state again, and being able to say, yeah, you know what, government, we don't need your money. We don't want your program. We're just going to kind of do our own thing. But right now, Dave, I mean, last question before we got to let you go. I mean, is that a possibility? Are we too far deep in the hole to where that's going to be a hard uh, hard struggle to get out of? You know, that's, that is, uh, that, that's a deep hole. And that, those are, there are some really big challenges. Uh, what, what we can, what we, what's easier to take control of uh, is kind of the so-called low-hanging fruit is focus on the local and state issues. Uh, like this year is we have a lot of local school boards up for election. No. Uh, we have some local uh, city and county races uh, that are up. So you look at all of the efforts to take away freedom uh, from COVID. You look at all of the refusals to educate kids. Uh, you can affect those things by getting involved in local elections. No. Uh, you, you, can, you can take action with state uh, legislature to provide protections uh, so that there's a bill up there that says, you know, if government's going to shut you down, then government has to give you a break on your property tax. There are a lot of things that can be done uh, if, if people are going to engage. But you cannot sit back and just bitch about it. You have to get involved. People, legislators need to know how citizens feel. Yeah. No, you're right. We got to get involved and we can do it. There is a there is a possibility. There is an ability to do so. And that's why I think people are so frustrated on what can we do. And these are exactly things that we can do. Dave Traubert, Kansas Policy Institute, along with the Sentinel KSMO. Make sure to check out that news source as well. Dave, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Let's do this again real soon and get another update from you. Let's do. OK, thanks for having me, Andy. Hey, always good to talk to you, my friend. That's Dave Traubert again with the Kansas Policy Institute. We'll take a break. Get ready to wrap up the program. It goes by way too fast right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Welcome back into Kansas Talk, wrapping up the program today on a Saturday. Always a pleasure to be able to jump on and get your Saturday and your weekend up and going. Hopefully you stay nice and warm and safe this weekend as it's supposed to get extremely cold. It's supposed to stay like this for a really long time. When, uh, what is it, wind chill, like negative 10, negative 15 over the next couple of days. So make sure to stay warm and safe that way. Until then, we'll be back at it again next Saturday. There's always a lot to talk about in the state of Kansas. We haven't even touched a quarter of what's going on in the state legislature. So we'll have more elected officials coming on the show over the next uh, couple weeks and talking about some of the bills. I want to talk about the civics bill. I want to talk about more of the tax bills. I want to talk about the Second Amendment. I want to talk about Kima. I want to talk about everything going on up there. So we'll bring all that to you and more because you're not going to get that information anywhere else. Until then, make sure to tune, us, uh, tune in for the national broadcast of The Voice of Reason weeknights at 8 p.m. right here on KQAM as well. Make sure to check out the Daytona 500 on KQAM coming up tomorrow, pregame at 1230 on that one. 
plus our FFA month appreciation that we have right here on KQM every Friday with our What's Trending at High Noon. Until then, everybody have a great weekend. I'm Andy Hoosier on Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM.